Welcome to Manager Tools. One-to-one -one interviews are safe. Part one. This cast answers these questions. Should I do one-to-one -one interviews? Do I need to have someone else in the room when I interview? What are the risks of one-to-one -one interviews? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Here we go. Have you ever wished that you could ask Mark about using Manager Tools guidance in your particular situation? Maybe you have a big team or contractors or shift workers or directs who are on the other side of the planet. Licensees get a special email address that they can use to ask Mark and the rest of the Manager Tools team anything they like, from agendas to career zigzags. And Mark and Wendy send the emails out every week with even more information about management, professionalism, and life at work. To find out more, go to managertools.com and type hashtag license in the search bar. I read recently, and I, you, know, you pay attention to this stuff way more than I do. <laughs> I read something that said that one-to-one -one interviews, one, you know, <laughs> the interviewee and the interviewer alone in a room interviewing was not safe. My head just about exploded. Yeah. It's just ludicrous. It's, it's, uh, and I hate to say this because I don't say I hate HR anymore, but this is absolutely HR making a bad decision, propagating across organizations. People hear about it and it's, it's gotten to the point where it's been expanded to, oh, one to one interviews can't be safe. So therefore, let's just go right to panel interviews as well. The idea that we need a nanny or a minder, and that's what they're suggesting, that you would have to have a third person in every interview, and it makes it worse when it says it's especially true when a man is interviewing a woman, you know, that basically there's this fear that the interviewee will be able to make a claim that the interviewer engaged in some sort of nefarious, illicit, unprofessional, or illegal behavior, and our, our thought on that is it's total poppycock. It's, it's, it's completely stupid and wrongheaded and not based on data and inefficient and ineffective. I can go on and on, but that's what this cast is about. Yeah. We should say if you, if you um, don't want to listen to this or you're willing to go uh, a couple months without knowing this information, just wait for Mark's new book, The Effective Hiring Manager, which is due out this year. And you address this in the book, right? Yeah. We talk about this, not quite in as much detail as this. But yeah, we cover it. Uh, in fact, uh, Wendy was proofing the book. I'm waiting to hear now on when I go to be the voice for the audio recording of the book. I've spent three days in a recording studio. And um, she said, yeah, I feel like this is a recipe. You know, you tell me what to do at every step of the process when you're having to hire. So I'm excited. And I'm glad it's done. I'm glad we decided to have you be the voice on the audio version. That's uh, we didn't do that for the uh, the effective manager, and that was probably a mistake. Let's get to it, huh? So here's our outline. First, we'll tell you the logic behind this stupid trend, and then we'll go through the refutations of the logic. We'll tell you that the data on the risk is weak. We'll tell you that executives don't do three-person interviews, which is weirdly biased in the wrong way, I think. Also, we'll refute it. If you're doing effective screening, you won't have a problem. You're also going to be doing training that eliminates this. You're also going to be doing standardized interviews. You're also going to be using behavioral markers in order to make interviewing decisions. 
And then lastly, we're going to talk about how much candidates hate proctors and panel interviews as well. Just incredibly bad. Okay. So (laughs) share with us the logic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So the logic of having a proctor or a minder in interviews is to have a witness to what happens in an interview. And that's believed to be necessary because of the risk of an interviewee charging the interviewer and therefore the organization with unprofessional behavior. And usually that behavior is bundled into two different categories. Either it's harassment, the interviewer said something offensive like, you look nice today, or bias, you didn't hire me because of bias proven by multiple behaviors or comments. The the classic example would be a software development manager saying to a female candidate, you know, it's mostly a boys club here, or, you know, you probably wouldn't fit in, which one of the ways that gets communicated now is, oh, that's code for you're a female and so therefore I'm not gonna hire you, which in fact does happen. We've never heard I've never heard, maybe some of you feel free if you've, if you've heard this to write to me and tell me, we've never heard of any firm or HR leader say that the purpose is to prohibit the company from discriminating or behaving badly. I've never heard of a third person in an interview stopping a line of inquiry. I suspect it's happened, but I've never heard of a case where the minder was able to stop someone from doing something that could have created a risk. And I'd be willing to bet that the vast majority of minders in interviews are on their phone. Or that would be one end of the spectrum. Or at the other end of the spectrum, they're involved in the interview. And now, of course, you have a two-person interview and suddenly it's a panel interview and then that's all bad too. In other words, they're not there to be proactive, The rationale is, A, we're not doing anything illicit, illegal, or unprofessional, and B, if we are, therefore, falsely accused of doing so, then C, we will have a third party there to D, eliminate any chance of any substance giving to any such claim, and E, winning in court if the interviewee who made the claims were stupid enough to go to court because she said, he said in a situation like this is very, very different than she said, she said, he said, right? If, if an interviewee says they, they said things that made me uncomfortable and the interviewer said, the, the proctor reminder said, actually, I was in the interview. There was nothing said. There's no way that a, a judge is going to say, yes, this needs to go forward. And by the way, I can put an end to all this idiocy pretty easily. I didn't see it in uh, the outline, so I don't know if you're going to talk about it or not. Of course, maybe in the summer you're going to share the the actual answer to prevent all this. And it's going to be a managed tools product, and we're going to make millions. Uh, we're going to have interviewer body cams. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, we're going to record the whole thing. Well, look, you know, it's funny that we joke about this, but the fact is there are already companies with badges that are keeping track of where people are. And there are already lawsuits by employees saying, I I didn't know they were going to use my location information against me. And those cases are all going to be lost. Unions are against it. But in fact, a company has a reasonable desire to know that stuff. But pretty soon, our badges are going to be able to record who we're talking to. 
and what we're talking to. And you might think, well, that's not privacy. And there will be companies who will say, we won't do that to you. And there will be other companies that do. And if you're engaged in nothing illicit or uh, unethical or unprofessional, it's not a problem. And in fact, there will come a time when every interview is recorded and automatically transcribed. And there will be a couple of people that are there to clean up any misunderstandings in the auto transcription. And we won't need proctors or minders. I don't think we need the transcription either. I think the question is, don't let people interview who are in any way likely to engage in anything unprofessional. But in the interim, I think that's, I think that's coming. Somebody will do it, that's for sure. Uh, in the same way that more feedback, more monitoring, more metrics, more measuring is coming for all of us. It's like Game of Thrones. Winter is coming. But look, we're going to show through this cast that this is a stupid idea, even if you think these kind of behaviors on the part of the interviewer might happen. The solution is not a proctor or a minder or a third person in a two-person interview. It's like carrying around a defibrillator kit, right? The solution to this is wellness and preparation. Now, an HR person might say, well, Mark and Mike, you know, if everybody did what you recommended, we wouldn't have to do this. And I actually had this conversation. It's been about six months ago. I was going to include the conversation in the book, but then the person didn't want me to use their name. Understandably so. But in the conversation, they said, you know, I said, look, you can't do this. You can't have a third person in an interview. It messes things up. Well, we don't know what else to do. We got this problem with, you know, every once in a while we get a complaint where, you know, an interviewer has behaved inappropriately. I said, complaints? Have you had lawsuits? Oh, no, no, no. People just complain that, you know, they don't think they were treated fairly. I said, well, okay. That sounds like it might be sour grapes. I'm not ruling out the possibility that there are idiots who do dumb things when, they when they're the interviewer, but it's fairly rare. And I said, but the solution to a proctor, the solution to this is not having a, a minder in there because it sends a bad message. It sends a message to the interviewee. We don't trust our people. And what's more, we don't trust you. And uh, they said, well, you know, and I said, here's what you need to do. And I laid out our effective hiring manager guidance in 35 seconds. Do this, do this, do this, do this, this. And they said, well, if everybody did that, we wouldn't have to have this. I said, well, but you could have that. I just told you how to do it. You don't even hardly need to read the book. You could piece it together from listening to our 50 or 100 podcasts about how to be a good interviewer. Oh, well, that's harder. <laughs> I said, okay. Let's choose the easier wrong instead of the harder right. So anyway, look, obviously, guys, either your organization or part of your organization uses proctors or minders or insists that you have a third party in an interview, or it doesn't. But there are some gradations here that are worth noting, just to be clear. If your organization wants you to have or says we have proctors, but you don't want to, you can resist this by scheduling interviews without them. Now, look, don't politically throw yourself on your sword, but you can do it. You can refute the value, um, the rationale, if you will, for minders by writing down some notes about this cast. Or luckily, if you're a licensee, you can download the show notes. If only parts of your organization use this, that should be a clue 
that this is not an edict from the CEO. In other words, it's not a corporate policy like badges, which, as I've said before, security badges is one of those things where if somebody said, I don't want to wear a badge, they don't get to come to work. If somebody said, I don't want to use the expense accounting system, they're not going to get to work there. If they say, I don't want to be paid biweekly in a direct deposit, I prefer cash or Bitcoin, they wouldn't get to work with you. You're not going to rearrange an entire policy just for one person. So if it's not standardized across the entire company, if somebody says that's how it's done here, that phrase from a staff person, that's how it's done here, is one of the reasons why we need to have a good network across the organization. So I'm going to think, okay, I'm going to call a couple of my buddies. Hey, are you guys required to have proctors in your interviews? No one-to-one interviews? No, we never do that. We interview all the time without that. Oh, so when whomever is telling me you got to have a proctor, that's the way it's done here. I said, no, it's not done that way. I just talked to two managers who don't do it that way. If you're told you have to buy HR, but you haven't heard it directly from your boss with whom you have a great relationship, schedule interviews without a proctor or make your case to your boss with the reasons we're going to lay out here. One of the rationales in all this is, look, you can't tell me this is a policy. It's not being done everywhere. And usually that carries fairly significant weight. Now, mind you, I'm not suggesting you just tell everybody tech with you. We're recommending if you do hiring our way, which we'll lay out, and, and, and it's not ours. All we're doing is telling you we have data that says it works better than anywhere else. But every single step of the process is steps that other people in various parts and ways have used before. But if you do it our way, you don't need proctors and minders. But HR doesn't know you do it our way unless you tell them. If your organization still allows one-to-one interviews, don't assume this won't happen. Be ready to challenge the idea of a proctor or a minder when you first hear of it. The first case of someone being accused of doing something might very well cause a less than holistic, big picture thinking, staffing person, hiring person, recruiting person, HR person to say, you know, we can't have any more one-to-one interviews. There's there's a risk here. Uh, We'll talk about risk in a minute. Be ready to challenge that idea when you first hear it. Kill that hatchling in its nest. Say to them, no, this is dumb. You can't expect somebody who's been interviewing for 25 years, who you guys trained, to have to have a proctor in there. And by the way, think about what it does to the logistics of interviewing that a proctor has to sit in every interview. I mean, there's not enough HR people to go around. So as I said, that's the reason for the refutations we're going to share. And resist by scheduling interviews without proctors as long as you possibly can. Look, as a general rule, Without a great relationship with one of your internal service providers, HR, finance, accounting, IT, security, while we don't recommend you use this logic all the time, a line manager can resist the direct insistence of a staff service person, even if that staff service person reports to the line manager's boss's boss, and you can ask that that kind of policy be communicated to you through your line manager. I don't mean to get into a rant about service people and their tendency to say that this is a policy because I report to a VP. Staff can't compel 
a lower level line manager's behavior without either an enormous amount of trust, which happens frequently for effective managers and great HR people, or by communicating through the chain of command. It doesn't work. HR doesn't get to say, this is how we're doing it. Typically, that's a bad choice by the VP to say, yeah, tell everybody this is the way we're doing it. Now, we're not saying that you're going to win the political war, but at least don't go down without a fight. Make a case for why your process, maybe different than everybody else's in your firm, will actually be smarter than using a proctor or a minder. I get a lot of requests to coach folks, and uh, too often the timing and the cost and so on is prohibitive based on my schedule and travel and so on. And so uh, for the first time ever, Manager Tools has engaged a good friend, longtime client, an exceptional person, Dan McGuire, to provide coaching services, particularly to executives, but also to managers as well. If you're interested in having someone coach you that knows the manager tools philosophy, has practiced it, and has practiced management and executive behavior at the highest levels of major corporations, we encourage you to reach out and we'll be happy to put you in touch with Dan. Okay, so what's the data look like around this? I mean, how, how prevalent is this? How there many, is none. How many cases? Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, there is. This is the problem. You know, it's... Uh, Chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, right? Yeah, we generally don't recommend doing things without any data support. Yeah. Here's the way to put it. How many cases are you personally aware of where someone was successfully sued, even to the point of just settling, because an interviewer was accused of behavior that couldn't be reasonably refuted and where there was no proctor in attendance? If you get rid of the one to two cases you might have read about, because any case that gets adjudicated in this way is going to be written about in some sort of press, HR press, management press, organizational press, sociological press, psychological press, whatever. If you get rid of those one or two cases versus it having happened to someone you know, 99.9% of managers would have to say their answer is none, zero. I'm unaware of it. Never heard of it happening. That's not to say they don't know a fellow manager who bragged about saying something stupid in an interview, or that's not to say that you don't know a manager that you wouldn't trust to do this, but that's a different thing than we have to have a proctor or reminder to eliminate our risk. And look, if one of your people is a jerk, don't let him or her interview. That's easy. And I actually had a conversation with HR where I said, okay, you want a proctor reminder for these people. Are you saying that him, and I pointed out all the interviewers, are you saying that he is going to actually, oh, no, he wouldn't. Okay, what about her? No, 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 of course not. No, he wouldn't. What about him? No. What about him? No. Those are the only interviewers. Why do all of them need it when none of them would do, when you're clear that none of them, yeah, that was the kind of conversation we had. Look, the reason why we know the answer to this question about lawsuits and therefore legal risk is marginally zero is we asked two folks to do a legal search on the cases. And for all intents and purposes, relative to the cure of requiring an interviewing proctor, these cases just don't happen. Now, notice we didn't say they don't happen at all. They do, but in such infinitesimal amounts 
we can argue that they happen even less often than workplace harassment. So why don't we have proctors or minders all over our workplaces? What is it about interviews that are one-to-one discussions that are somehow so much more dangerous that we can have thousands of one-to-one discussions in our company every day, but we can't have one one-to-one interview? Yeah, you're more likely to have the CEO write some stupid email and be posted on the cover of Wall Street Journal, right? Yeah. So look, guys, the first thing you can do when somebody says we need a proctor reminder is when people say, well, we had this incident. I said, look, the first thing you say is the incident is not necessarily a risk. It's stupid, but people do stupid things here all the time, and we either never know or when we find out, we tell them don't do that again. We give them feedback, what have you. But the incident's data on the actual legal risk and threats from one-to-one interviews do not support the significant intrusion of a third party in an interview. Even if you believe the risk is worth addressing, a proctor is a lousy way to address it. That's the first thing you can say. That's it, everyone, for this week. We'll finish this one up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long, folks.